Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. It's one of our favorite all-time TDZ guests, one of your favorite all-time TDZ guests, the brilliant, the talented, the raw, the major, Caitlin Gill! Welcome to the skate park, I'm old, I'm my break bones. Uh, it's me, Caitlin Gill, <laughs> uh, your favorite roller skating what's grandma. New, what's new, Caitlin? What's new is everything. I have, um, yeah, life is very different. Every time we speak, there are changes. You know, life, the yeah. river of time, it flows forward, and we all flow with the river. Mm-hmm. But boy, yeah, when we check in, it's like different locale, different scene. Yeah. But yeah, I'm in my new house. I have a new house in my bizarre uh, desert compound. Whoa. Yep, yep. yep. Oh, we're going to talk about compounds now. today. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm compounded. I'm fully ready. Yeah, if you hear some booms, it's because I'm marine base adjacent. So if you want an indicator as to the threat level in terms of our global situation, they're they're dropping stuff for fun out in the desert again. Oh, wow. But yeah, that's where um, things are great. I've painted my hair, remodeling stuff. I can do miter cuts now. I'm a true, yeah. What's a miter cut? I'm laying baseboards in our home and uh, to achieve a seamless look at corners and to merge pieces when they are not long enough. Cut wow. them at a 45-degree angle, and then you uh, miters fit them together. I'm I, I'm asleep. Uh, I just put myself to sleep. <laughs> but I can do it. I can functionally do it. I can and, and we were both acting like we knew because we have no like tangible right. works. Because we're like, oh, yeah, you got it at the 45. Uh, the miter. Yeah, yeah the I just didn't know how you well, did yeah, your miter cuts. Who do you is like, miter. Pun, you know, sure. then, the, then the salt. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. it's yeah, miter. Yeah. <laughs> is that Jessica Fletcher behind you holding a Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah, you know it's it. uh, that's that's a good old JB. So Caitlin has a background of Jessica Fletcher from Murder She Wrote, and is I didn't know is there an episode where she pulls she's squeezing off that she she holds that yeah. thing on someone? You know, I'm kind of deep in season one right now. I feel like this is this particular <laughs> still is from a credit sequence, but I think it's later on in the series when she's like teaching a class and for effects pulls out a gun oh, okay. as if she was, and then it bangs. It has, it just has the bang coming out the like little flag that says bang. Oh yeah. Joker style. I feel like it's barely visible in my zoom. Right? Maybe if I rotate my, Oh God, everything's good. Oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. there it is. I see the bang. Yeah, this uh, is awesome. Joker style bang for everyone listening, but it will tease you into looking up Jessica Fletcher with a gun that says bang and it's worth it. It'll make your day. It's a pretty delightful. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher, the original Joker. If you ask me, first of all, <laughs> Mass murder, she, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lives in a town that has the highest per capita murder rate in the history of Anywhere. towns, I think. Yeah. Uh, of our birth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was one Navico. of the first articles I wrote at Cracked was talking about the most dangerous fictional towns to live in. And Cabot Cove <laughs> topped the list. <laughs> I'm not surprised. But yeah, I mean, there's one common factor to all these crimes, and it's that she's around. <laughs> right. So mm. what hmm. she's like, oh, somebody better investigate. It's like, do you ever think that she's marking these people and then trying to clean up her steps? I mean, like, I'm going to look into this. <laughs> the clues that are left behind are like, are like, I left my hat at the scene of the crime level. <laughs> uh, like, so it's, not, it's like, I mean, either the this is just geographically the like happens to be the worst criminals 
uh, the worst murderers to ever do it, it's or so she's bad at framing people. <laughs> well, that, so part of the, the murder she wrote situation is that there's almost a confession at the end of the episode. So, like, yeah. they're not supposed to believe she's the killer because we almost hear from the killer's perspective what they did and why they did it. And I just yeah. finished watching one because I just listen to television while I'm working. So I just have listened to a recent episode in which a bus driver killed a man twice to hide the fact that he killed him the first time. So we got two confession scenes. And I'm, I'm so sorry for spoiling this 40-year-old television show, but that is the outcome. It was Ben Gibbons, the bus driver. That's who did it. Yeah. But yeah, boy, when you come around to a second confession scene that Jessica Fletcher has teased out of someone by by hook and by crook, it is, right. man, yeah. what a formula. You know, yeah. it's, what a show. Don't and let me talk about it. I will keep talking. You have to physically, most people have to physically restrain me from continuing to discuss murder. She wrote. And Jessica Fletcher in her own way, uh, like the Joker, they both proved the pen is miter. You know, the pen is miter. Yeah, oh, yeah. In many ways. <laughs> She'll cut you at 45 degree <laughs> angle. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is something from your search history? All right. In my search history is how to shoot a dick. How to shoot? How to shoot a dick with a oh. gun? <laughs> okay. How do you shoot, <laughs> a, shoot dick? a dick? Just with aim, a gun. right? Aim. How to shoot a dick off? Like so? Okay. Apparently, shoot an aspirin pill off a dick. What are we talking here? <laughs> like some William Tell type stuff? I was Robocop, looking this up. Shoot the dick off. <laughs> oh right, just blow or blow that thing away. Yeah. You'd think there'd be more how tos, and yeah. I was looking it up for a friend's. Like I'm in a writers group, and well, I was looking it up for their script, and then I came across a whole Facebook group hmm. about, where this, of, of what? about shooting your dick off. What? Yeah. How, what is the confusion? Hold I on. think it's pretty straightforward. Of And this is just, you know, me being a guy thinking I know everything, but <laughs> I have a pretty clear idea of how to shoot my dick Wait, off. Wait, are you, is that more like... How does someone shoot their own dick off? Or you're saying, how do I? I'm interested in the act of shooting someone's dick off. How do I do that? More like in all the ways that there is to shoot at your dick. Right. There are good go ones and bad ones. So huh. we're talking about self-owning with your with a firearm. Yes. Okay, got it. And you're saying you found a Facebook group of people who had blown away their phalluses with firearms? No, just a group of people who were intrigued by the idea of shooting their dick and the guy who started it accidentally shot his own dick while doing a demonstration. <laughs> and that brought the group together even closer. <laughs> while doing a demonstration <laughs> for the group. <laughs> yes. Wow. We're just talking about it, but Brett lives this stuff, man. <laughs> Damn. He's talking the talk, man, and walking it. Like, I would assume that how not to shoot a dick or how not to shoot your dick off would be the more popular search term. But oh, one right. would think. All, we all, <laughs> it's interesting times, you know? Then again, the easiest way to not shoot your dick is to not shoot your dick. It's to not fuck up being stupid with firearms at <laughs> Don't all. Don't point a gun there. I feel like there's so many videos like that where, like, there are cops doing, like, demonstrations with their firearms and just hitting, like, thighing themselves constantly, trying to, like, holster their weapon or whatever. And you're like, what the fuck? You just shot, a, your, you shot yourself in a classroom. Like, what the fuck is this? It'd be a huge problem if cops had bigger dicks. <laughs> Fortunately. 
Hey, oh, very nice hey. <laughs> I'm here all week, boss. Hey, Cab in the morning. What's new, folks? <laughs> well, that's cool. I can't wait to read or see that uh, movie. The wh- whatever they're writing <laughs> the writing about. Who did that RoboCop edit? Where <laughs> Summer they, of Tears? Was it Summer of Tears? <laughs> I think it was Summer of Tears. Um, have you seen that, Zara? No. There, okay, I don't know if you if you're familiar with RoboCop, but someone gets oh yeah, D shot in there. But there's a cut where RoboCop, it, I know, yeah, where they extend that out and it becomes like a a carnival of people getting shot in the penis. Oh my god, that's amazing! And it's just like, and it goes for so long, you can't believe someone bothered to like fund this production because it's it's done very cinematically. I want to share that with my friends in this group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They would love it. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a like a thing where people like different sketch comedy groups did a shot for shot remake. Like everybody got a different scene to do a shot for shot remake of RoboCop. And the person who was in charge of the dick shooting scene just had RoboCop just shooting (laughs) so many dicks off by Fatal Farm. Fatal Farm. They're the best. Yeah, that's right, man. I haven't thought of them. <laughs> Damn, man. I've thought yeah. about those guys in a minute. Also, really, really good. What is something that you think is overrated? Something I think is overrated is the metaverse. I saw this video of oh, a on. rave taking place in the metaverse, and the person who tweeted it was like, oh, doesn't this look like fun? And I just thought to myself, no, it really doesn't. And like, why would I want to sit in my house <laughs> wearing an Oculus to attend this? No, I'm not interested. I mean, we are investing everything, every ad dollar this show earns into putting it purely on the metaverse, uh, building out a metaverse experience. We believe in the metaverse here. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, it looks like shit. It. it looks like absolute shit. It, it does. It's I saw somebody I, I need to find this tweet, but it's basically applying that that theory that like whenever somebody's at their peak fame that's when they stop evolving as a human like with regards to everything from fashion to like their acting to their like ability to use technology and someone was like i think that happened to mark zuckerberg because (laughs) like once Mm. he became a internationally famous like ceo like that that was around the time that this sort of thing would have been considered cool. It was like, you know, Sims right. and Second Life and like that. And VR was still like kind of the wave of the future type thing. Yeah, it just seems very like retrograde. He's got that 06 technology <laughs> swag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, dude, what? He's like, I feel Man. like, yeah, I feel like this, it, it's such a throwback to like, yeah, the Sims. Like, I feel like we've been here before. And also, I just feel like, any kind of technology that means that people are going to have to wear something bulky on their face, like an Oculus, to, to experience it, really, I just don't see becoming, like, very commonplace. I'm sure people are, are, like, I know people who are having great experiences with their VR headsets, and I love that for them, but I just don't see it being, like, a commonplace, everyday household thing. Like, people mm-hmm. just don't want to wear a bulky thing on their head. Yeah. Or just, or, like, what it offers, right? And I've I've consistently said, until... It's something that is really blurring the lines of our like reality and like what our perceptive reality. 
I don't know. Like that's that's the kind of push where you you be like, oh shit, man. Like you put this thing on and you really might think you're on top of a fucking mountain. Like maybe that happens and then we go down a slippery slope of people just like in their houses not doing anything because they just have a headset on. But for me, I think I just see limited use. Like again, I'd love to watch like, like an immersive music video with a headset. That might be cool. Or, you know, play a certain game or anything. But I don't know, like long hours long wearing is just I don't know. For me, I just want to I just want to go to the Matrix if if I'm being honest. Yeah. I I feel like the it's good for like the people have created like some cool video games to play with them. Mm-hmm. Like and I've heard of people doing like hangouts with friends that they like can't otherwise see, you know, like hang being in the same room with people that are like across the country like during the pandemic might be a cool thing to do but like everything about the facebook what like facebook you don't need the facebook's metaverse to do any of that shit like people already have it and like in fact connecting it to a massive corporation that is trying to like op like sort of manipulate your behavior and like uh, monetize you is like the exact opposite of what would be cool about right absolutely Completely agree. So I watch NBA basketball and like sometimes I'll be watching a like, you know, Philadelphia broadcast. I think it was I forget who it was. I think it was a Philadelphia broadcast and there was like a ad for like broadband Internet and they had like the family doing VR. They were like, now we can do VR together. (laughs) And then like the dad like puts on the VR headset and then like the whole family, everybody has VR headsets on and they're all just like wandering around with their hands in front of them. Like they're blindfolded. (laughs) So it's just like it's entered the it's entered the zeitgeist, but like the the majority of people don't really know what it is or like how people use it. So yeah. But yeah, I think most of the videos people see are people falling over or like like plowing through drywall because they're so like disoriented <laughs> by having a VR set. So I get why they're like, and VR and the depiction of that is like disoriented people in a room. It's never like VR. And it's like kids being like, thanks, dad. I just got a new, uh, I got my third degree in particle physics. Like, right. It's not, that's not what it's offering you. Yeah. But anyway, you know, look out for the TDZ meta app or whatever the fuck <laughs> it's going to be called. Our metaverse. Dude, yeah, you buy into ours. We just berate you for buying into it. Like, <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? All Go you get need. Get your fucking money back. All you need is the TDZ NFT, the NFTDZ, uh, to enter the chat with us. And it seems like you're in a room with Miles and I. Yeah. Folks, we're well, going to have a really we're going to have a really great offer for you guys coming out of the second mid roll. Uh, stay locked for that because Zeitcoin is launching. <laughs> yeah. And then, what is something you think is underrated? Faking it till you make it. Dating hot single moms. Being dumb as hell on Twitter. ZZ Top. Small trucks. A good pair of boots. Uh, a functioning pancreas. Karaoke and losing weight to ride a horse. What's that? Let me hear. What, what, faking it till you make it. I think that is a good. Uh life lesson i I think so too um and it's something as i've i've gotten older i've realized literally everybody is doing nobody knows what they're doing at any given moment particularly when you come into a new chapter of your life uh you know would i i think i've I've heard people on here talk about this thing before but like when you're little and you look to parents or adults in your life you think that they are, are you know possessors of knowledge or answers and and sometimes they are but 
as as one now, as as a stepdad to three boys who I've you know helped raise for a dozen years now, man, we do not know what we're doing. And we are just <laughs> figuring it out as we go along. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know yeah. what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. It, it's it's literally how anybody does anything as far as I'm I'm concerned. Now, there's some things that you shouldn't fake, you know, like open heart surgery or flying a plane and shit like that. Very important roles in 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 our our lives from day to day. Don't fake driving a car till you make it either. That's a probably a bad one. Yeah. I'm on my grind out here just <laughs> performing heart surgeries <laughs> in the back alley just every morning. Long haul Cash. trucking in my 18 wheeler. Do I know how to use air car with air brakes? No. Let's make let's get this paper this morning, fellas. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> grind, yeah. rise and grind. No, it's true. And also, I think just in general, right, more than like fake, it's not really about being deceptive because I think that's that there can be that sort of tinge of that phrase, right, faking right, right. it till you make it, of more just like, just be confident in what you're doing and continue to do it. Because I think to that point, it's easy to look at certain jobs or like things you might aspire to do. Like I remember when I was lobbying and I really wanted to do comedy, I was like, I don't know, man, like I just, I, what, what's it going to take to do it? And I just had to really back myself, really, right, just to be right. like, I want to do this shit. I think I'm funny. Like, fuck it. Like, let's just do this shit. And I'm going to walk around like I know what the fuck I'm doing. Because exactly. to a certain extent, we do. But it's it's about sort of also crossing into that next, like, I guess, emotional phase where you're able to look at yourself and say, no, th- I believe in what I'm doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, that's potentially I'm just emulating other people who seem successful, but it's just confidence. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, just just, uh, you know, don't be a dickhead about it, obviously, when, when you have that confidence. But but be humble, but but be, you know, confident that you're going to figure it out. Eventually you do. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people who are monsters in the entertainment industry or, you know, six very successful people who are, you know, really awful to people underneath them. And I think that's like built on their insecurity that like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, like everybody's going to find out that I'm like, (laughs) I'm a fraud. And it's like, no, not nobody. It all just looks better. Like you're comparing your insides to other people's outsides, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And no need to do that, because at the end of the day, it's just 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 back yourself. That's and that's really the hardest shit to do. Because a lot of the time, we're like, well, I don't have all this anecdotal data to suggest that I can do what I'm doing. And right. you won't you won't have that data till you do it. So that's like kind of the rub there is like you got to actually start got to take that push to the next phase. I remember even starting this podcast. I wasn't podcasting before this. And I was just like, fuck, man, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. And I in my mind, I'm like, well, Jack knows what he's doing. So <laughs> based off of that, and I had to step up acting like I've been podcasting for a minute and I you know, straight up, I was like, I'm using the confidence of just Jack being like, hey, I think this could be a good podcast for me to push aside any doubt I had to be like, fuck it. I guess I guess we can do this shit. And the fact that I threw up right before we started recording it every day for the yeah. first two years, like you, I was like, no, this is just a stomach issue. It has nothing yeah. to do with. And I would have my terrified. sympathetic gag reflex, too. And I'm like, <laughs> Jack had to have his teeth replaced, literally like the yeah, yeah, on everything. It's, it's yeah. very yeah, it's not, pretty, not pretty bad. Stuff. Yeah, the same thing with with me. Like when we started George Center and Lauer After Hours, uh, I'd never done a podcast either. And eventually, you just you know you pretend like you know what you're doing, and then people yeah. actually start giving you feedback and tell you they're listening, and it becomes a blast. Or, or doing weddings, you know, a friend of mine asked me to do theirs in like 2006, 
and I sure as hell had never done a wedding before. And uh, they asked me because of my beard. Literally, they were like, "You, <laughs> you look official." That, I swear to God, that, that's that's why they were like, they were like, "We like your Is beard." This in North and, Carolina. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's official out there. Like exactly. Yep, you exactly. got the beard, homie. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, like. Uh, I looked official, but also kind of like a wizard at the time. So they just they yeah. just asked me to perform their wedding. And then other uh, friends that were there saw me do that one and then asked me to do theirs and so on and so forth. And now I got a little, you know, side hustle going. So Speaking of beard, because you do have like a ZZ Top beard. And I do, you know, one of my favorite things about your AKs is your taste in music. You have uh-huh. just like a great. Very eclectic. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you Very so eclectic, but it's always the hits that I've heard of, so I don't have to do too much research. Why is ZZ Top underrated? ZZ Top is underrated just because I, I feel like most people that aren't intimately familiar with their catalog don't realize all the songs that they're familiar with that are ZZ Top. They think it's like all these different classic rock bands. Uh, I've had many conversations with friends of mine who aren't into them as much as I am, and uh, I start naming songs, and they're like, wait, ZZ Top does that one? Wait, they do right. this one, and and you just keep. They have so so many hits, and they lasted over the decades. They evolved their sound. Uh, you know, they started playing in the late sixties, early seventies. Then when the eighties came, you know, with Eliminator, and and they they updated their sound with the synth and stuff, and you know, some of the the most classic early MTV videos, just absurd mm-hmm. absurd videos uh, that are fun to go back and watch. Um, and Billy Gibbons is just uh, like one of the greatest guitar players of all time. But I, I feel like he's not ever listed in that same tier that a lot of classic rock guitarists are. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and and that's that's basically why. And also like they, my dad always had a super long beard growing up. So I oh, associated nice. them with my dad. Like, it. I think, you know, in that little kid brain logic, you know, like, well, right. ZZ Top are my dad's friends. Like, they all look the right. same. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it right. d- didn't yeah. make a, a damn bit of sense, but uh, right. that's, that's, uh, that's, that's what I told myself <laughs> at, like, four years old. Yeah, that was fun. Like, having a look going into the 80s, like, was, you know, I guess lucky. Like, I don't know. Did did they always have the long beards, like, uh, know, before? Very early on, videos? very yeah. early on, they, uh, uh, they were clean shaven, but basically early seventies, they grew out the beards. And of course, you know, Frank Beard, the drummer is the only one that doesn't have one. And he has a, has a classic mustache, but that that's the key to kind of their timelessness is that they've always looked like they were pushing 70 years old because right. of the, the dark sunglasses, the super long beards, kind of their, their dress and, and aesthetic. And yeah. so they, you know, into the 80s, their look didn't change. The only thing that changed was like the guitars got like neon colored and they yeah. wore fur coats and shit and, you know, <laughs> kind of had like a synth, synth wave vibe to them. And yeah. then and then all throughout all the decades, they've literally it's been hard to tell how they've aged. And, and of course, recently, uh, Dusty Hill passed away, the bass player. So uh, R.I.P. to him. So they they, they lost lost Dusty, I'd say, probably like six or seven months ago. And, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's why I think that they are underrated. Everybody should go listen to just listen to the greatest hits. You know what I mean? And, uh, and realize, uh, and they've got some silly ass songs too. They're, they've, they've always looked the way that they do, but they're singing about like, they're singing about some perverted shit, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like the song tube steak boogie or pearl necklace. (laughs) Wait, what's that about? I don't get it. 
You don't, what do you mean? Okay, uh, um, Jack, it's, uh, <laughs> this is for off mic conversation. Um, yeah, doing the break. Yeah, yeah. So good, good having the iconic look heading into the '80s with MTV. Bad for the SEO and like listing uh, of bands in your iPod era with the wor- yes. the very last possible <laughs> yeah. name right. in any uh, alphabetized uh, archive. That's a good point. I've never never thought about that actually. Never thought about Miles, that. But do, you're absolutely do you right. ha- do you have a singular musician that you are like? That's my dad's friend because <laughs> mm. I have like Billy Joel. I so associate with my dad for some reason. I'm just like, yeah, he's pre- they're probably friends. They're probably <laughs> hanging out somewhere where my, I'm not around. Oh, I thought my grandfather knew Miles Davis. Right. Uh, that makes because sense. Yep. I got this plaque when I was born from one of my grandfather's really good friends. That was like this plaque from the album Miles Ahead. And it was like this sort of presentational miles davis album and it said like two you know miles young miles blah 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 and then i was as a kid i was like man my grandpa got this from miles davis his friend right and awesome. yeah so that that was one in, in the back of my mind i never quite articulate out loud but whenever i looked i was like damn he knows miles <laughs> i mean you're <laughs> that's rad yeah you you do come from like really cool people who did hang out with <laughs> like great artists so like probably not the same for you yeah, I had yeah. to create a fictional universe where my dad hung out with Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah. He was, he I mean, listened to Piano Man and you're like, I wonder yeah. which one my dad is. Is he the real estate novelist? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, my, my Iggy Pop almost killed my dad. I don't know if I've told that story. What? Yeah. That's like a whole fucking, they, they lived Jesus. together for a second. What? Yeah. Miles, how have you never told that before? Because I say too much shit on this show. You I, know, I got to have some stuff for the book, okay. for the NFT. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the that, NFT. You know? Yeah. <laughs> when this all goes off the rails, when this all blows up and you're doing the like VH1 behind the podcast series yeah, that yeah. they'll eventually do, you have to, you have to bring those. all stories about my dad. Yeah, like, those, yeah, childhood, yeah those childhood stories. Right. We should have seen this coming. Iggy Pop almost killed his dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And speaking of fans, we were before, you know, I am a member of the Kid Rock fan club. Mm -hmm. Just one of the greats to ever do it. Yeah. Just (laughs) what what more can you say than that? I mean, yeah, this guy, he dropped a new fucking track called We the People. Okay, And. It's just a tour de force of uh, (laughs) all kinds of sick ass phrases and hot takes in the form of a song and i I guess i'll just play well i'm not gonna play this whole fuck it's four minutes and there's no way we'd ever do that uh but let's just go through some highlights i'm just gonna play some selections uh this first part is kind of like in the opening of the song and it's just it's just letting you know kind of like uh the the way he sees the world mind you this is the first this is the first lyric that he says when the song opens up What? <laughs> oh no! So that's clearly a pandemic take. I'm thinking. Uh, take your pill. What's your pill though? That was. Is it because vaccine shot didn't rhyme with mentally ill? Yeah, <laughs> I think that might be it. You know, right? Yeah. Okay, but that's definitely yeah the the rise of mental illness in the country definitely uh, started with the pandemic and people wearing masks. 
So, and you know, he's saying stuff. He's taking shots at Fauci, Joe Biden, but he does again want to let you know. He's like, I may masquerade as a racist, but I'm certainly not. Otherwise, why would I say this in my song? <laughs> that that that's followed usually in conversation by all lives matter. Yeah. Yeah. No shit, dude. Right. All lives matter. Yeah. Oh my Obviously. god. Fuck you. Uh, what the f- I, Okay. So that's a very You're like piece aggressive. Of shit. <laughs> You're piece of shit. Like black yeah. lives matter. Of course, motherfucker. <laughs> and who's this piece of shit? Is this a black person telling him black lives matter? I think so. <laughs> I think okay. He's so very he's mad. coming at this person. You piece of shit. Of course, I, of course it matters, motherfucker. Like everyone else's. Like blue lives, man. You know what I mean? So let's get that. Yeah. I, I just like, it's interesting to think about him sitting down to his, uh, like, red, white, and blue moleskine and, like, writing these. Got a moleskine? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. He's an artist. Uh, yeah, right. So and he is, like, his... a wealthy person, too. Like, right. let's be real. He's masquerading as, like, some... Like poor guy, he, he, yeah. he has money, so yeah, he yeah. probably would have a moleskin. Yeah, and just writing these phrases that are—I don't think they're the sorts of things that have been written down before, because they're just like things that people uh, shout when they get drunk and are angry about nothing. Okay, well, I want—I want you to hear the chorus a little bit, and then he has some fuck yous to throw out too. CNN. All right. There's another part where I just they he even got let's go Brandon in the song. Yeah. So it's just it's really got it all. And then I just do want to I guess this is the interesting part, even though he's pushing back against like the liberals and uh, the rest of America and the mainstream media, he does have a message, which isn't just all just fuck you, motherfucker, and suck my balls, or I'm not taking your pill. He does want to... I do just want to point out how down-to-earth it is of him to be mad at TMZ. (laughs) Yes. We've all been misquoted by TMZ, or, you know, we're leaving dinner at a fancy restaurant, and TMZ just suddenly they're there asking you questions, and it's just like, Americans are tired of this shit. We, the people, are tired of TMZ, you know, asking us friendly questions. <laughs> Every time I get expensive gas that Joe Biden has made $8 a gallon, you know, yeah, exactly. is there. I'm in my pajamas. Right. You know, every time. I'm just trying to live my life. Exactly. And then I also just want to, like, the craft of leaving us hanging when he said suck on these, because you don't know what he's talking about. And then, but then he like slowly these. reveals nuts. These nuts, exactly. Oh. But oh. again, even though he's saying oh. this, su- he said, "Oh, okay. yeah." It's he said, "Even though you want to hold these, I do want to heal the country." Which is an interesting turn because right after that, he sings this. Okay. Little cultish, but yeah, why not? yeah, it's very cultish. I mean, this the big kind of discouraging revelation from this song is that he, like Trump, is not going to let a single like failed political campaign dissuade him from running 
from continuing to pursue politics, it, it would seem. That's why I'm running for governor of Michigan. Ow! <laughs> I forgot about that. Wait, is he really? No, no, he's not running, but he's like done all this like, campaign. Yeah, he talked yeah. about it and he was like doing like concerts and mentioning it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily yeah. we just we just have this terrible, terrible song to deal with. So nice try. The kid. song's actually gonna be president twenty twenty four. I'm sorry. Right. I, actually no <laughs> the GOP it, nominee. It, it's actually the new new Supreme Court justice. <laughs> it's prior retired. Uh it's We the People by Kid Rock. It's an NFT of We the People by Kid Rock is our newest Supreme Court justice. That's that's where we're at, I feel like. It it does like the the positioning of we just have to come together and like criticizing division as like the enemy and like divisiveness and like not coming together. It like that that does seem to be well, coming sort of the new reality is that the right wants us all to come together and so does a lot of like the quote unquote centrists. Like that's it's just more like the knee jerk. It it's like, like hey, can together. we can we not be so repulsed by racism and yeah. bigotry? That's what they mean by come together. They're like, I'm a bigot, but like, let's come together. And yeah, I'm maybe actively trying to do things to disenfranchise you, but that doesn't mean you gotta just like make fun of me on SNL all the time, right? Like, come on, it's like really unfair. It really hurts my feelings. Anyway, so yes, just wanted to touch in on that bit of uh, right wing creativity before this next piece of right-wing creativity yeah i mean well amanda did any any insight from your time with the proud boys does this does this channel the vibes that you were feeling back uh backstage at the uh resurgence of nazism in america the right loves their rappers they sure do they love yeah. they love bad rap music they love maga music it is really embarrassingly bad sometimes the music comes on and it's like people live performing and you're just like man i wish that you could just like can the nazi just talk again like can we get this wow. guy out of here because this is so yeah. awful i mean because this is like the best they have to offer right because he's like famous yeah, so there's yeah a bunch right. of people who are like performing at like trump Doral and stuff who were just like i guess kanye too I mean, if he really did a show, that would have been something at that time. <laughs> right. But yeah, so um, that's just so wild to me. Like, I can only imagine where you have to go to these events and like listen to these people speak. But then you're like, fuck, there's four musical acts. <laughs> like, it's I can only watch these little girls like sing like Third Reich hymns for so long before <laughs> this starts getting stale. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But again, in the movie version of your story, they're what you will that's somebody will get up and rapping. He'll be like suddenly Dreamweaver will be playing in your head and there'll be soft focus and they will have bars. Like the dude who was rapping at, at the Capitol on the on January 6th who shot that right. music video. Oh, yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, th yeah. Like that's the moment you're you're at the Capitol and then you see the guy rapping you're like, hold on a second. That's right. Yeah, I'm like, stop the steal. That's right. Let's get this. Let's get yeah. this out of here. Let's get those ballots. <laughs> Oh, shit. Anyway. All right. Well, speaking six. of the people who were there at January 6th with you do, doing doing their thing, we we got to meet 25-year-old Jeremiah Kaplinger, mm -hmm. who entered the Capitol, smashed some shit up, had body armor on, but just didn't have criminal intent. Come on, look yeah. at him. He's a nice guy. My honor. Right? Look how stringy my arms are. Okay. And this body armor <laughs> is more like I'm cosplaying. As one of my favorite characters from uh, a Telegram channel that I'm on all day. But yeah, 
his defense of like, I don't, I was just there to look at stuff. It may have held up for maybe 10 more minutes had he not posted like a dumb, like little Facebook flex post with a Cersei Lannister quote. And this post has brought us to the point where now, where, the, where federal prosecutors are having to explain the plot of Game of Thrones to begin to connect the dots for people about what this person's intent was at the Capitol. So two days after the insurrection, this guy posted an image of a soldier from the American Revolution with the caption, quote, as said by Cersei Lannister, I choose violence. So then in the footnote of this, uh, this prosecute, uh, the document, they're talking about how this whole... <laughs> So this whole thing happens, quote, Cersei Lannister is a fictional character in the HBO television series Game of Thrones. After being confronted by a group of politically empowered religious zealots who warn her that if she does not yield to them, there will be violence. Cersei Lannister responds, I choose violence. They go on to say that the footnotes also explains that Cersei used, quote, a weapon of mass destruction to blow up one of the largest and most important buildings in the capital city, which contained politicians and religious leaders. I mean... I mean, I didn't even make that connection. That is good background. Yeah, good and research. I don't even think that guy did. Right? You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Probably not. <laughs> when but... I read that, I was like, "Oh, that's right." Because what was the what was that shit called? The, the night? What that that green shit that they used to blow up the? the yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Whatever. Yeah, See, yeah, this yeah. is how long the show's been, and I put it to the back of my mind. But I think for them, it's just like I like this quote of being like, "I have a binary in front of me, and I'm gonna tough guy it out." And then so they go on to say, quote, in stating I choose violence, Cersei Lannister embraced and then carried out mass murder to achieve her political ends. In the context of Kaplinger posting this just two days after January 6th, Kaplinger's adoption of this quote is alarming and provides insight into his mental state and intent storming the Capitol. I mean, I choose violence was a meme by that point. So by like reference saying that it was Cersei Lannister, like attributing it to that character, I do feel like he's kind of freighting it with a little bit of extra when shit posting about becomes blow shit up yeah wait and your shit posts are exhibit yeah. a in your federal prosecution <laughs> they're like i'm just shit posting man they're like no look at, really understand what you're saying here oh right huh maybe maybe that was wrong in your experience uh being there seeing these people amanda like there there does seem to be like a blurring between people thinking or at least like portraying it as like they're there for the lulls and, you know, the people who like we got Trump elected as like a bit basically and now kind of bleeding into Nazis, like straight up Nazis who are trying to overthrow the government. Like what just that cosmic gumbo, I guess I would call it, <laughs> of like different types of motivations and types of people. Like what what did you what, what were your impressions? Over the last year, I have every every Nazi, every literal like neo-fascist white nationalist that I have met is proud of January 6th. They think it didn't go far enough. They think the founding fathers would be proud of what had happened. And they think, you know, like they're willing to admit it. They think that the whole FBI Antifa thing is stupid and, and embarrassing. And some of them will say differently. Um publicly, especially if they're like lower level elected officials, but behind closed doors, it's what they all say mm. compared to like this, like weird, like, I mean, I'll, I'll get like people who will tell I me mean, many of the people that I met were there throughout the past year. Most of the people there were there on January 6th. And I'll have like, you know, like grandmas being like, yeah, it was a prayer circle. We held hands and prayed and like 
gave Bibles to the homeless people. And I'm like, and she's, you know, they'll be like, oh, like all, all the violence was Antifa. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know? So when it was actually happening, like everybody was all in. I mean, I mean, I was at the Capitol, so I wasn't, you know, like far away. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe there really was some giant prayer circle closer to the White House. But right. when I was there, I mean, people were all in to the point that people were cheering when the police were like, you know, having pepper bombs like at us because they thought it was to get Antifa. They thought it was to get the counter protesters that were stopping us from coming into the Capitol. Um, so in the moment, everybody was all in. It's just like what has happened since then. Right. How right. you have right. explained it to yourself and others. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I was at a prayer circle at the Capitol that day. We like we didn't even it was a complete coincidence. We didn't even know what was happening. We didn't even notice it really because we were so into our prayers. Just FYI. yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. when and then when Jake put on his Viking helmet and like left, you're like, all right, later, bro. I guess I'll see you. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember you texted me. You're like, man, that Jake guy is pretty cool. He's got he's got some ideas, man. Yeah. Dreamweaver was <laughs> like a lot of hand. intersection with like you know, like Viking uh, Scandinavian mythology. He was really putting me up on. (laughs) But yeah, so you're saying like in a way that there's like two levels of engagement, right? Like with the more chest out fascists, they're like, yeah, we did that. And I don't want to hear someone trying to say that it wasn't us because that was like they're proud of seeing that. And then on the other hand, you'll have these like older people who are less like if they're there, their mindset has just been more like, like that they're on more of a benign mission than maybe like a militaristic one. Yeah, I I think, I mean, like, obviously, like, I think, you know, saying that people that were there were Taurus is incredibly disingenuous and obviously bullshit. But I will say like those, like those, some of those Taurus were just useful idiots that, you know, you need bodies, you need people or you can't have, you know, what you're trying to do. Um, And so I, I think, a lot of people were very convinced they were on the right side and that even some of the police were on their side and they saw like what they were doing as like good. And I, I think they just don't know how to like reconcile with that. I mean, even speaking of like Jake, he was at the other rallies and, you know, families line up and take pictures with him. And I right. think, you know, like I, I think a lot about like those families and those little kids who like took pictures with, you know, the QAnon shaman and like, what mm-hmm. do they do with those pictures now? Like, are you still happy you have them? Like, have right. you have you disconnected this much in your brain? It's just, yeah, it's very, it's very strange. And it's, um, I, I would listen to people as they would talk about what they witnessed at the Capitol. And they would say things like, you know, I saw a bus pull up of people and they went and changed in bushes into MAGA gear, which like, why wouldn't they just change in the bus? It's stupid already. Right. And then it would be like, <laughs> and they'd be like, like one lady was like, I think that they were sex slaves. I think it was Antifa sex slaves that were drugged up. And I'm like, right. well, I mean, just literally any thought to not have to take responsibility for what you did. Right. And it sounds like there's a lot of like, you know, inbuilt world building and paranoia fueling things. I, I really think about that one part of your write up around like the day before, like everybody was just sort of in this sort of stance of like, are we about to be attacked? Like, are we like is something going to happen to us? So that way. So if we need to project more aggression outwardly like that's just a function of us trying to protect ourselves like what sort what was that sort of energy like because that really struck me when i read that part of how everyone was sort of in this like group mindset of paranoia to begin like justifying a lot of violence yeah it was really weird um so the first rally was in november shortly after the election was called and that was like i mean there was violence and there was some paranoia but the next rally in december is really where it kicked up 
and just being around people who literally would say to me, oh, you're going to your car, you know, six blocks away. There's a lot of enemies afoot. You know, you have to be safe. You have to be vigilant. Like somebody has to walk you. You know, you can't go anywhere alone. And like downtown D.C. is where this is happening. And downtown D.C. Mm -hmm. is pretty safe in general. But during COVID, it's pretty much abandoned. So we're the only people there, you know. Um, right. And it was just, you know, in in November, people were still, oh, I back the blue and thanking the cops and shaking their hands. And by December, it was, you know, the cops are useless. They are unable to do anything. You know, blue mayors in every city just let violence, you know, run unchecked. And the cops can't help us even if they want to. Mm. And so it was like building up this narrative that the only people that we could trust to protect us were the Proud Boys. Mm. Right. Yeah, there was like your, your reporting kind of. I guess I like saw the Proud Boys. I saw the people like crashing in, but then there are all the, all these people. Maybe the people who are like claiming they were in a prayer circle, but they're like not the the Proud Boys. But they're they're in this like group where they are under attack, and the Proud Boys are the only ones like there to protect them. Like was like a kind of level of I don't know, like the the dynamic that hadn't really come across to me. That's. So interesting because I mean, like I've I've had a really hard time consuming media. Like I have not followed the arrests or anything from January six. Partially, I've just been busy. I've had to lead two lives, and that's been taxing. But I also like I don't. I found a lot of the coverage frustrating, and and for me, I mean, that stood out to me so much. It's it's like shocking to me that people are surprised by it because it was. I mean, it, it messed me up for days. Like that rally in mm -hmm. December. Uh, I was I wouldn't shut up about it. Like my friends were probably like tired of me, you know. <laughs> right, um, I right. couldn't stop telling people. I'm like something bad is going to happen. Like I, I don't know if it's next time or the time after that, but this is going to be really bad. And then you know, lo and behold, it wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, January sixth, not so good. Yeah, I mean, people talk about a civil war. Like the the idea of a civil war has gone from like a silly thing or like a like sort of fringe paranoia thing to now something that's be becoming like a more popular opinion that we're like headed to something that looks like a civil war. Like I feel like we're maybe already in sort of a cold civil war with the occasional flare up. But the more like we kind of exist in the post January 6th world, the more it seems like a lot of the stuff that you were seeing behind the scenes is not, it's not a, like, that wasn't a breaking point where people like took a step back and were like, oh, wow, that was bad. And we need to like learn from that. It's like, you're seeing those, that belief system, like become more and more popular and widespread, like that paranoia of like, we're under attack and like only like strong men can save us. Like I've, you saw that in the like New York Times Frank Bruni poll of undecided voters. Like it was basically unanimous people being like, yeah, we're like the crime is out of control. And like it's because we defunded the police and like all these like far right talking points that have just like kind of made their way out. I don't know. It, it just feels like the in that sort of civil war conflict that people were saying like would never happen. The like, I, I also think that like the mainstream media and a lot of people underestimate how strong that like Proud Boy side of it is and has like continued to become like what what are your thoughts as somebody who's like kind of been there for first hand seeing it? Well, I think it bleeds into like every facet of what we're seeing right now. 
I mean, if you can whip people up into a frenzy and convince them that there's enemies everywhere, you can get them to do anything you want as long as you're like providing a way to protect them. And so a lot of what you're seeing now with school boards is stuff that, you know, I was in like little classes being coached on how to like run for school board in like February of 2021. Right. And it's, you know, using those exact same talking points and instead of doing it in a, a militia or proud boy street violence kind of way, it's like, how can you do this, you know, uh, with a suit on? And that is why like CRT, you know, critical race theory being such a, a big thing. A lot of it comes from teaching people like this is how you combat this stuff. This is like if you don't want to defund the police, if you want crime to be you know, lower, if you want your kids to be safe in school, like this is the stuff that you have to do. You have to run for office. And like this is why I knew um, I knew CRT was going to like be a really big deal <laughs> because in April I was at Trump's Doral and a, um, a woman named Landon Starbuck, whose husband is running for Congress, she was like, CRT is what they are teaching your kids, the Democrats, to make them more susceptible to child sex trafficking so that they can, like, you know, like traffic your kids, mm. which is like crazy, right? Like, it's it's so removed from reality that teaching people critical race theory is a way to make them susceptible to be child right. sex trafficked. It, there's right. no, like, logical connection, but it worked because everybody in that room was like, yeah, absolutely. I know I'm those like, buzzwords. Yeah. Well, and at the time, I was like, what the fuck is CRT? Like, I had no idea. This is April. I'm like, I don't know what this is. But that kind of like paranoia and fear that they just they just go, they dial it up all the way and it, it makes people do like whatever. So it makes them trust whoever. It makes them willing to run for office. It makes them willing to give their money because they're just so afraid all of the time. And I, I don't see, you know, in the media, there's a lot of people just they're given like equal, equal platforms as though both sides mm-hmm. are, you know, making good faith arguments. And obviously that's not true. Well, we just need to come together like Kid Rock right. said, just come together. Right. Yeah, take right. his hand. Right on these nuts. The land. Come together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suck on these. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. I don't know when people are going to wake up to it because it's it's happening. You know, it's no longer just happening in violence, which is bad. But like, right. you know, I think it's worse when it's happening, you know, in the local election level where people... You can do violence like a limited number of times before you're no longer allowed to do violence. But if you are on the school board, you can do a lot of harm for a very long time. Right. Right. Yeah. It's to that point of like, you know, the ability for someone to evolve. I know, you know, when we were DMing, you were were talking about like, I know vaccine cop. Like I was at Mm -hmm. some like Q shit with this guy. And, you know, and we were talking a little bit about Q and. You know, like even there, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also really interested to see like what the cognitive dissonance is like in real time when you're like in these groups and everybody's getting ready for one thing to happen and it doesn't. And you do see sometimes there'll be like a minority of people who may question like, oh, like what, the, what now? And other people are like, just don't fucking worry about it, man. Just fucking keep going, keep going, keep going. What is that like? Sort of what is that process like? And is that even something that is potentially that could happen on a wider scale or like, you know, obviously those people are a minority because they're the ones who are going to somehow, you know, look at their situation and try and and have a reckoning with it. But, you know, what what, what was sort of that like just to kind of watch that happen in front of you? So, I mean, obviously what I was doing was, you know, a self-selecting group of people. A lot of these Mm -hmm. QAnon events I went to were between like $500 and $1,200 to get in the door. So if you're like having questions, you're probably not going to pay all that money. So what I would see more of would be like problems that people would have with 
influencers. So, you know, maybe someone doesn't like something that Mike Flynn said or somebody doesn't like something that, you know, some other, you know, Lynn Wood said. Right. But that being said, the influencers themselves are very good at like dealing with that and kind of like trying to make those like fears go away. And I have found that when things don't pan out, people, if they get upset, blame an influencer. So the way like QAnon works is that, you know, all of these Q drops came out and there's no that's no longer happening. Mm -hmm. But people would bake them and they would try to figure out, you know, whatever secret meaning they could figure out. And a lot of the influencers, uh, you know, would speak on these Q drops. So it's easier to be like, oh, well, you know, so and so's interpretation was wrong versus, you know, Q mm -hmm. is wrong. And there's always, you know, some excuse. Lynn Wood in particular would say stuff, you know, like, Q is you and Q is me and Q is all the people who hate child sex trafficking. So, mm -hmm. you know, we don't really need to have any answers because Q is what you feel inside. Which mm -hmm. is like genius if you're trying to manipulate a bunch of people, but it's also right. very dumb. Mm. Are there other people that that you see as like, okay, this is somebody that we're unfortunately going to be hearing a lot from in the in the future? Like, have you heard about this guy, Donald Trump? He used to have a reality show, and I think he, he might have a future. Now, do you, like, is there somebody that has a lot of, like, power in that underground that you saw that we should be worried about? Well, um, first, I, I'm going to just say I'm shocked about vaccine police making national news, because that's a weird dude. I mean, even mm -hmm. at a QAnon event, you're like, wow, this dude is extra. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, we all he just tapped into the fact that we all want to drink our pee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, a, speaking to the nation. <laughs> um, <laughs> like there was one influencer in particular. I was um, it was actually at the event where I first met vaccine police and I was in my hotel lobby and some random people were like, did you want to go to a, um, a baptism on the beach? And I'm like, yeah, OK. So they put me in their car and we drove like half it. an hour away to go to this baptism. And um the guy who was like running it was this guy named Brad Barton, who had, I don't know, like 30,000 followers on Telegram at this time. And since then, he has like 130,000 followers. He hosted a 9-11 Memorial Day event that featured General Flynn and Lynn Wood that I paid $500 to go to. And I had to bring my own chair. Holy which, shit. I, which meant I had to buy a chair at the event in addition to buying my ticket. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Genius I, I gotta ask him. Okay, keep going because I have more grift questions. Yes. Yeah, I call it my BYOC, my bring your own chair event. So <laughs> I did that. I went to another event he had in South Carolina. So he is like becoming huge, but he's not really like gaining any like media traction. He certainly has a bigger following than Vaccine Police does. Mm -hmm. I, I, I did get to keep the chair. I was a $25 chair. I got a deal on the chair. So, okay, the chair is like, it looks like a plate. But then you twist it. You know those like finger traps? It's kind of like it, you like yeah. pulls. Like it kind of looks like that when you pull it out. So it's like portable. So you can put it in your luggage when you're done. The chairs were $35. But the woman selling the chairs was like friendly with me because I had seen her so many times. So she gave me a bargain Aww. for $25 chair. So $500 for the ticket, $25 for the chair. Wow. And yeah. that's like, and that's someone who... That's like their side business. Someone just like, hey, I know they're not going to have chairs here, so I'm just going to set up my chair shop. Oh, man, I'm going to really mess your day up. OK, so she sells uh, all this Trump stuff at like every event you can imagine, like mm -hmm. like Second Amendment or events, um, like things that Trump around. Like she like donates money to Trump. 
all these blinked out purses that say Trump on them. She's got, she actually sold me, I have a hat that says like, fuck Biden that she sold me at a different event. She's every, every QAnon or Trump event you can think of, they have a presence, her little company does. But yeah, she knew it wasn't bring your own chair event. So she ordered a bunch of chairs because she also sells them at Trump like rallies when he speaks. So wow. there's like a whole side world of like, yeah. whatever you want to sell. I'm always struck by like the black people selling the stuff at the events. And I'm like, Look at this, just hustling. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure how many of these people. I saw like one video where the guy was like, I'm just selling this shit because it sells. And you're like, wow. Yeah. What an interesting. And then you have the people who are like, I'm so devoted. I do custom bejeweled pimp cups for that say go Brandon. Yeah, we got it all. Right. <laughs> yeah, let's take a quick break. I do want to ask about weaknesses and that like the scamability of the like supporter base seems to be one potential one. But yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk more about this. And we're back. And, you know, Florida always leads the way, maybe even more than Donald Trump yeah. since January 6th. But so late last year. Our boy DeSantis proposed a bill that would uh, allow parents to sue schools if their kids are taught critical race theory. Mm -hmm. Or even and, if they suspected it. Yeah. And now that logic is evolving into a new bill mm -hmm. that it's essentially makes it illegal to make white people feel bad about, like, reality, like mm -hmm. anything. Yep. Yep. That's, yeah. that's what it is. Uh, the, the bill, which just made it out of, like, a education committee says this, quote, an individual by virtue of his or her race or sex does not bear responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. An individual should not be made to feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her race. Facts don't race. care about your feelings, I thought, though. No, right, well, right. On, we know. Like, That's, come on. It, it, I, like, there, there's like, nothing consistent. You know? <laughs> I, this, this is just amazing that, like, this is, uh, you know, the darling of the right in conservative debate culture and, and all that bullshit. Ben yeah. Shapiro, his whole slogan is facts don't care about your feelings. And yet this is the epitome. This is the, the most, like, I, I don't want to feel bad about anything bullshit yeah. that I have ever read. It's yeah. pretty incredible. I mean, I think most observers are right to point out that it's like this looks this bill looks like it's tailored exclusively for white people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this. Who is this for? Because it's God. obviously, you know, this is this isn't an actual problem, you know, or but it's more just like the legal equivalent of like sticking your fingers in your ears and closing your eyes and screaming -uh! <laughs> as a way to like <laughs> avoid, you know, having any kind of reckoning or self-awareness around history. But yeah, I mean, it's, this is all just sort of part of the same effort to just nullify the concept of discrimination in the hopes that it'll just create more racists without any kind of historical awareness. Yeah. You know? Like, what does that future look like if they are like continue to be successful and it's a world where you're not allowed to bring up like that? So like I'm trying to like put it in the context of like the future dystopias. It's just like not a future dystopia that anyone had really laid out you know like what mm. what is the florida version of the the watchmen like museum it's like, like well yeah right they actually right. take into account like what what happened like what's that version 
it seems like just in general, they want to set the table energetically to be like, hey, man, everything's all good here. Like nobody's oppressed here. OK. And like if you're bringing right. that up, like that's bullshit because nobody's oppressed here. Oh, well, oh so it just looks like modern America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody, yeah. I just okay. uh, I, I, you know, similar to the Texas abortion law and, and this one, the, the part of it where it says that basically anybody can sue anybody for this and mm-hmm. claim that they were breaking the law. It's just we're we're turning the the public into a bunch of dog, the bounty hunters, but uh, about abortion and critical race theory and shit. And like the ability to do this means that it's going to have people just accusing folks left and right, just, you know, just because they don't like them. You know, you're pissed at your neighbor right. because they blew their leaves into your yard and then you claim that they were talking to your kid about Martin Luther King or the civil rights or some shit. And like, it's just, it's, uh, that's the future. Instead of having this like police state where there's like a one in, in their mind, like, you know, some communist police department that is, is coming to your home and, and arresting you. It's just, everybody is going to be able to point the finger and accuse each other of breaking laws like that yeah. seems to be the republican dystopian future they're Sounds going like cold for. war east germany yeah yeah exactly just exactly. everybody like we've and we've enabled everyone to go on a snitch mode <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah it's and it's it's just very cynical but this is again a cynical party doing whatever they can to kind of keep this going so if there are any there's any sort of uh, historical precedent that makes what they do now look bad. It's like, well, then we can't talk about that shit at all. But the all one right. hope I have is that when you look at the like literal complexion of this country and like how these younger generations and the diversity of America begins to change more and more and more, I don't know how many kids of color you're going to be able to like get away from this idea that oppression isn't real because on some level it's going to be lived and that is a whole other dimension to you can you can only teach people so much but if the lived experience is one thing that does that does move people in a certain direction but i think that's the most optimistic read at the moment yeah all right let's uh let's shift focus over to the biden administration they're not nailing it with like the the big (laughs) core promises they made such as securing voting rights and minimum student debt that stuff climate change climate change you know they're they're still just like throwing up their hands and being like "Ah, i mean what fucking cinema you know yeah so that that's not looking good so we wanted to check in with uh one of his other campaign promises that i hadn't even really noticed at the time but this is a quote from biden during the 2020 campaign I promise you, if I'm elected president, you're going to see the single most important thing that changes America. We're going to cure cancer. That is. That makes me so scared that (laughs) their cure for cancer exists. They're just trying to figure out when to deploy that shit. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that almost seems like, yo, I was talking to the homies at Merck. Right. Like an October campaign surprise or something. Like, yeah, exactly. Like they're like, going to oh. save it for the second term or some shit. Right, or midterms or something. He's like, y'all, if the house goes red, I mean, I got this cancer cure. Uh, maybe not. I guess, I'll have to, I guess y'all weren't good this year. So you That's get his Bin Laden's body being kept on ice. That's like, uh, yeah. Right. That's a bold statement. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of strong. He came, he came with it. Mm-hmm. I thought 
for sure. Like I, I know it, it's, you know, it's in the italics and everything. So I assumed it was on the, the show document that it was a real quote, but that does not sound real at all. Yeah. We're going to uh, cure cancer. That sounds, that sounds like a Simpsons quote or something of like a politician, right. like running for office. Right. That does and not sound like, yes! right. It's fucking absurd. And all the rain will be root beer. <laughs> exactly. Yummy. You're like, yes. I love this guy. And every pet you've ever known will will come back and greet you, uh, you know, <laughs> from, from your dead, childhood. Yeah. Exactly. Who? What other presidential candidate <laughs> first in necromancy? It wasn't just a one time, uh, you know, his riff gun misfiring. This was a thing that he repeated uh, another time. He He mentioned it. Another direct quote. I've worked so hard in my career that I promise you, if I'm elected president, you're going to see the single most important thing that changes America. I've worked so hard in my career that it's it's like the central like the that neoliberal idea that like, well, you just study hard, work hard and like it pays off oh. and you become a billionaire. And if you don't, then you should have worked a little bit harder. Yeah. And that is just that ideal misfiring in his brain to be, well, I've I've worked hard. I mean, look at me. I'm running for president, so I must have done something right. And therefore, I'm going to cure cancer. It, yeah. It's definitely got guy whose wife is threatening to leave him energy. <laughs> and like, he, babe, I swear to God, it's going to be different this time. Yeah. Like, you know, we're going to we're going to we're going we're gonna to buy that house uh, that you've been wanting. You know, we'll uh, we'll we'll spend more time together and I'm going to cure cancer. But I mean, it also just... has like the dude talking to <laughs> Lenny and of mice and men energy, like right before he shoots him in the back of the head. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, no, we're it's all cancer. Yeah, we're curing cancer, we're cancer, guys. Just yeah, uh, we're gonna cure cancer, George. Uh-huh. Oh boy, I'm so sorry about this. Jesus. Sorry, buddy. God. Yeah, yeah pop sure. your ass on the side of the sure road. Sure, we will. Fuck. Wait, so what is what is that even feasible? I mean, because what what's like the I because I get their constant advancements, right? I I always see different, like obviously the oncology treatments and that that research is is rapidly progressing all the time but like is that even is that even close like is even swinging at something that can even be hit for a single it's close for so cancer is a catch-all name for hundreds and maybe even thousands of types of diseases Mm -hmm. we have cured some of them like that's that's the sort of shit that also america is really bad at is like stopping and being like yo they just cured like this type of cancer they used to like the doctor would just tell you you have 18 months like now they cure it like that shit is wild we don't really report that but yeah so it's not a single disease there are massive advances happening all the time in right. in like cancer treatment and even like cancer cures uh, by the way i do want to just note that this idea that sounds so absurd to us that like we are assuming that it was like immediately buried by the his like administration staffer or his uh, campaign staffers. Trump heard it and immediately said that he was going to cure cancer. <laughs> Jesus like a Christ. rat battle of false hope, as JM <laughs> put it. Just he would cure cancer if he elected. Yeah, it took me out one time. That's incredible. Absolutely. We will come up with the cures to many, many problems, to many, many diseases, including cancer and others. And oh. we're getting closer all the time. Somebody taught that man about type one diabetes because I've had that shit since I was nine years old and there's still right. no cure in sight for that one. So uh, right. 
you know, because some, somebody yeah. taunt, taunt Trump, you know, t- tell him, hey, hey, you know what your bitch ass can't do? Cure type one diabetes. And, <laughs> well, he's like, and actually, I can't really read asshole. for the pharmaceutical companies is <laughs> yeah. the problem. We could. You're right. It's right. just that insulin, that insulin flow, Ooh, baby. That's, a, that's quite the profit margin. Trump yeah. had proposed uh, shrinking the National Cancer Institute's overall budget by almost $900 million. So that was what he had <laughs> done to, you know, help. But if you yes. can't if you can't diagnose cancer, then it, it's not there. Like that's that's right. what he was trying right. to do. Yeah, it's all negative. Just thinking. become poorly in your old age. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Scientology, they, they got some interesting ideas about whether cancer is real or whether you're just scared. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> or you just need more e-meter readings. Yeah. So Biden's idea was basically based on this thing where they would create a version of DARPA. Like, you know, the amazing, like, futuristic technology weapons designer called ARPA-H. That would be, like, the healthcare version of DARPA, where, like, you just have all of the smartest people using all the money and all the futuristic technology to, like, try out all these outside-the-box things on cancer cures instead of, (laughs) like, fucking bombs that can, like, dig 30 miles underground. They're just going to be like, yo, this hypersonic missile cures cancer. <laughs> this this drone cures cancer. You're it, like, what the fuck? It also happens to kill everything within a 13-mile radius. But yeah. the cancer is gone, technically. So Yeah, it won't show up on x-ray exactly, either with your body. Exactly. Shit's like just obliterated. So in the spring of 2021, Biden put together his proposal for ARPA-H with a budget for the year 2022 of $6.5 billion. So he tried. And it was unsuccessful. <laughs> You're mm. never going to believe this. It was unsuccessful. It's been cut down multiple times. Now we're looking at a third of it. And also he proposed, he changed the proposal from being a standalone agency. And the whole point is like it's standalone agency that like can think outside the box on all this right, shit, right. like to being a wing of the Nas- National Institute of Health, which... Hmm is like very bureaucratic and is right. sort of the thing that you would propose this idea to like get around is like, well, so here's like what's interesting about this idea is we have this like thing of people who are just kind of like blue skying it and seeing like if they come up with something and everybody's like, well, that so that doesn't, you don't really have anything then. You're just like giving the National Institute of Health more money and they'll fuck it up somehow. So I don't know. It's it, it seems like it is not shockingly a watered down version of a watered down idea that is now being funded at one third of what the request was. There is still yeah. funding for it, but it doesn't seem like we're going to get this like thunderbolt from the well, sky. Also, like you think about how much COVID has disrupted the hospital. Like I have family who had to get cancer treatment and during the pandemic and it was not easy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. To even think it's like, yo, get the fucking hospitals running first before you start being like, and then we're going to cure cancer because so many people have had to delay all kinds of checkups and things like that. And uh, the stress of living in a pandemic, you're fucking you're like being on top of your health can go into the back real quick. And next thing you know, you could have serious health issues. Absolutely. It's just like there's so much shit compounding this that it's very, very frustrating. Yeah, almost Meanwhile, like we get the whole tests. healthcare system needs to be fixed and not just like, I'm going to get a splashy headline by making the A-team of cancer research. But 
Yeah, I mean, he so he in February 2021, he said he was going to do everything we can to end cancer as we know it once we beat COVID. And like you said, that the idea that they're two separate things is wrong and misguided. And the pandemic is massively affecting millions of. Yeah, it's all it's all systemic, this whole this whole thing. And, And I've been intimately familiar with our healthcare system. Like I said, I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was nine years old, spent a week in the hospital. And so it's, you know, I've had a lifetime and I've gone long periods of not having healthcare. I've literally had to shoplift my insulin before. That is a true story Mm -hmm. uh, from Walmart. Uh, You know, when I was 18, I got kicked off of Medicare and, and, uh, literally had to sweet talk the ladies into handing me insulin, you know, at the, the pharmacy and then, uh, and, and then, you know, slipping it into my pocket before I walked out and I'm, you know, not proud of it, but I don't give a shit because it's Walmart. Fuck them. But yeah, uh, also uh, like, you shouldn't feel ashamed that you have to exist in a fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. This, like, where it's like, Oh, I have to, I have to do this to actually live. Yeah. 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 There's, there's so like, there's immediate things that need to be addressed first like that. Now yeah. the concept of ARPA H it sounds cool as hell to me. I, I know in practice, the people that are actually going to be making this thing function and the bureaucracy, like you, you said, Jack, is is going to make it an impossible, impossible thing to accomplish. But I love the idea. It's like a futuristic, like, a, like it, it feels like the plot setup of like some some Michael Bay movie or something where we right. find out that the government funded this secret department that, you know, basically solved all of the world's ailments and and uh and diseases. All they had to stuff. do was create an island full of clones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Shout out to that movie. That movie doesn't get enough love. The island. The island. Yeah. 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 One of the greats. I like that one. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's it's just uh I don't uh, you're absolutely right. It's going to get fucked up. And, and do, do you blame anybody for being cynical anymore when like no. this something as as like as should be universally proposed as like trying to cure diseases that everybody gets affected by gets trimmed down from just a measly six point five billion? What's our defense budget like eight hundred billion dollars, six point yeah, right. five billion. And we can't even get like a third of that passed for this. Yeah. This reason. Maybe that was their thing is like, maybe they'll think it's for DARPA for like, you know, <laughs> yeah, defense, Ryan, advanced Ryan defense Ryan the research. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, man. Uh, let's put it 200, 200 billion. Good, good, good. They're like, yes. The H actually stands for Hellfire. Uh, Hellfire right. missiles. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. a, It's ARPA. It's just a whole ARPA department just for Hellfire missiles. Oh, we yeah. already have one. Oh, it's for um, helicopters. Helicopters. Oh. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. We oh, need yeah. more attack choppers. Thank you. Shit, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the... Look at the amount of money and lives spent on a response to 9-11 as opposed to the current pandemic. And like it's it like it's we we care so much more about like violence than we do about like the humanity of of the people in in our country. It's fucking awful. I think. Yeah. And uh, this cynicism just comes with observing how, you know, just more, you know, I'm speaking just specific about the United States you know, the reflection of how you feel the country treats you or how much you think the government cares about you. And it's very apparent that they don't give a fuck at all. So, right. yeah, when you when you have people who don't give a fuck promising you things like, hey, man, we're going to get you healthy. It's like, OK, yeah, yeah, right. Prove you that. know, it's really frustrating, too, is that uh, like, especially particularly about Biden is I think Biden thinks he gives a shit. He just like doesn't he thinks he's well, he's just yeah, he's just yeah. he's a fucking relic, man. And 
he's like in that like liberal headspace where it's like, well, I said the good things and that's putting hope out there. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, come on, folks, it's hard out here. You got to contend with all these lobbying groups like we do the best we can and then we just keep this thing going. And yeah. that I think that helps him sleep at night. That or his just severe old age. Yeah. <laughs> that helps him sleep upright sitting at his desk for 15 minute increments every five minutes. I would love to talk to him for like 20 minutes just to see like if I could fuck with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like kind of get him saying something like, yo, I agree with that, man. Keep going. Keep going. He's like, yeah. Uh, and all the all the black people, uh, they'll do a black people <sighs> test uh, where they got to vote for me and then they get their black card. I'm like, yes, Joe, keep talking that shit, man. <laughs> and you're like, yo, please, please, please get this guy away from him. He's yeah. entertaining all his worst thoughts. Yeah. You always hear stories about uh, like, but this guy in person. Like the the specifically the presidents, like you know Clinton is one thing on camera, but like you get him in person, he knows everyone's name. He like will like hold a really in depth conversation with you while doing the New York Times crossword puzzle and sexually harassing a woman in the back row or something. But like I I feel like our last two presidents are probably like if you yeah. got them in person, you'd be like. Mm. that that level Uh of ego it creeps me out like i've I've been around politicians a few times and that just or or like just very successful businessmen ceo types in general Mm. i it makes my skin crawl to be in the same room with them quite often and i i don't i don't know that i could handle being in the same room with a a sitting or former u.s president it would it would be overwhelming and i would say some shit that would get me in trouble probably yeah. You're like, you're like, what's that war criminal? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> hey, man, come on now. That's not fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> sure, the Hague would love to see you, though. <clears throat> anyway. Well, thanks for the poke, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> don't, give a, you poke? don't give a shit about your year. Because I'm, I'm, I'm in Obama's house in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, he definitely That was the whole poke. thing I envisioned. We're out here on, looking at Diamond Head. You know what I mean? That was yeah, a good, yeah, yeah. A good scene building. I was definitely, yeah. yeah. Job. He's definitely serving you folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here you go. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.